This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. So I got a question for you. Let's go right, let's dig right in. I got a question for you. How, and you don't answer, it's something you answer in your head. How do you defeat the mighty U.S. of A., United States, let me just tell you, how do you defeat the United States of America without firing one shot, without sending one missile? Which, you know, missiles cost a lot of money. This is from uh, USA Today. Did you know the military depends on a constant flow of volunteers every year? That's why you have recruits everywhere. And according to 2017, now this is going to shock you, according to 2017 Pentagon data, 71% of young Americans between 17 and 24 are ineligible to serve in the United States military. Let me put it another way, 24 million of the 34 million people at that age group cannot serve even if they wanted to. This is an amazing, this is the, uh, the article, this is an alarming situation that threatens the country's fundamental national security. If only 29% of the nation's young adults are qualified to serve, and if this trend continues, it is inevitable that the United States military will suffer from a lack of manpower a manpower shortage in the United States Armed Forces directly compromises national security. So how do you bring down the mighty U.S. of A. without shooting one bullet, without firing one rocket? You do it with potato chips and soda and video games. Anybody guilty? Yeah, I'm guilty. Uh, But I'm not in that age bracket, so. So this is how you do it. If you want to bring down a nation, provide sodas, uh, chips, couches, video games, and this is me talking it, and I think it's kind of ironic, funny, but, um, and because we just, uh, there was an anniversary of the uh, Nagasaki uh, A-bomb that was dropped and the Hiroshima bomb, Um, and I want to be sensitive to that, but I'm wondering if Japan is slightly getting us back by providing Nintendo Switches, Sony Playstations, and other electronics to literally make us unable to serve in the military without sending one ammo. They're sending Xboxes to us to destroy. Uh, Some nations are probably playing chess while we're playing checkers. Now, can you imagine the history books 100 years from now on Eric Rodriguez teaching social studies in some middle school 100 years from now, talking about the fall of America, and they're gonna say, well, the kids are gonna say, was it because of COVID-19? And the answer is gonna be no, it wasn't COVID-19, it was lethargy. I think I have a a picture of, of that. Lethargy. And I'd like for you to leave that slide up for a second. Because I want to segue to, I hope this isn't happening in the church. 
But I'll be the first to admit, and you don't have to raise your hand and, and admit with me, but when we shut down because of uh, the pandemic and churches had to shut down, we had to record on Thursday night. So we would record Thursday night service, and, uh, which was a little bit of a pain on Thursday night after a long week, long day of work. Uh, but Sunday morning, we all, we literally, I just had to kind of stumble out of bed, go downstairs and turn on the television, and there was the service. And I'm going to uh, admit that I, I watched it in my PJs. I watched the service in my PJs. And I felt something really weird. It's almost like, because I don't drink coffee, but every blue moon I'll drink, I'll take a, uh, a Tylenol migraine that has caffeine in it. And when I take that Tylenol with caffeine in it, man, your body's like, whew, I feel good. And I felt that kind of same feeling that one Sunday morning watching church on television because we were shut down. I, I, I sensed it. This was awesome. Anybody else out there? Don't raise your hand. Well, I felt, this is awesome. I mean, you don't have to get kids ready. You don't have to get ready. You don't have to fight in the van on the way here. When we were raising kids, man, it seemed like every Sunday, you know, uh, Robin and I would have to come to the altar and pray before we could even start the service. Not when we were here, when we had the other church. All right. So we skipped all that. Then I thought to myself while I was sitting in my PJs watching online, you remember last week, if you're here with us, not WWJD, what would Jesus do? I, I literally thought, what would Satan want me to do? WWSD. And so the following week, I literally decided we were going to uh, get up. I got dressed. My in-laws would come over, and at that time, my mom was with me. And literally, we would be ready to worship Jesus. I said no to lethargy, no to pajamas. So as a family, we, we sat in front of that television. We stood when it was time to worship. And I already know what was going to happen. We pre-recorded it a few days before. And if you looked at the video, you could see me you know, in the corner like I'm always here. But we were going to worship Jesus because I knew that this diseased lethargy could easily slip into my life. So I was not going to let my relationship with Jesus be seduced by pajamas. So as a family, we worshiped. We raised our hands during worship. I got my mobile app, Bible app, and I followed along my own sermons, even though I knew exactly what I was going to say. And then I heard another Sound. If you remember last week, I, I showed you a picture. If, it's probably like those though Satan is playing chess while we're playing checkers. My next picture is, I believe I heard another chess piece, and God was playing chess as well. In my life, he was, he was allowing uh, the Holy Spirit to bring conviction, and life, my life began to change, and I felt like God was moving the pieces on my board of life. And Jesus is calling us to wake up, to wake up. And so, uh, I don't know if that slides up, yeah, wake up. So uh, we are not going to allow pajamas at Mosaic Church to be the fall of our church. Can you imagine 100 years from now, church historians 
They're gonna talk about how the church was persecuted and, and little Johnny's gonna ask his daddy, he's like, what happened, daddy? You know, uh, what happened? Did, did the church get crushed because they, they had, you know, they brought out the guillotine and, and heads were taken off? No, no, it wasn't that, son. What, were their hands chopped off like they were in the Middle East? No, that wasn't it. Were they shot in a firing squad like they do in certain parts of the world during that time? No, not that, son. What was it, Dad? And then he flips the history page and there's a picture of pajamas. Pajamas. Let me just challenge you, church, those you are watching. I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes, all right? But if the Lord steps on your toes, you know, it's, it's on him, not me. But we are not gonna let pajamas be the reason our church Fools, amen? I will not let my church, not just this church, but the church, fall because I love pajamas. I love comfort. I love lethargy. I do. I'd rather just sit on the couch. I can't imagine. I, I pray to God that in 100 years, the history books will not talk about the, the collapse of the church in America because of PJs. Shameful. I read an article two weeks ago talking about, and of course, you guys are here, and we have our, our committed viewers at, uh, at home, and, and there's legitimate reasons people aren't here. They say about 40% of the regular tenders pre-COVID haven't even chimed in. They're not even watching. They're not even like uh, cheating watching, like watching other churches. I mean, that would be a good thing at least, right? 40%. And the rest that are involved in person or watching online, the 60% of them, they're anticipating 20% of them will not come back to church. And I pray to God that no one in our church is part of that 20%. But the numbers are startling. Now, I don't believe this thing is a, um, a judgment from God at all. But man, it sure feels like, man, the dust is beginning to settle. Don't be that person that gets to think pragmatically. I have so many people in my family, and I know that some of them might be watching. They think pragmatically. I've got someone, uh, we'll name nameless, but someone who kind of sticks around in the property, sees no value coming to church. Why? Because he doesn't get anything out of it. Because what he wants when he comes to church is something. Whether it's money, food, something. Because he doesn't get anything out of it. So he doesn't come. I'm like, he's no different than a lot of people. Because they have the wrong mindset. I come to give him praise. 
I come because he's worthy. I come because he saved me. I come because he's called me to, to love one another. So I come to give. So wake up. I pray to God that we, not, we I pray, I pray that we'll never be that church that fell prey to pajamas. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. I like the young little literals version, scriptures version. It says, and may we consider one another to provoke to love, to provoke, push, stick your finger in your chest and say, you need to love your neighbor. We don't like that here in the West. We don't like to be told what to do, right? I don't like it. But the Bible says, again, let us consider how we can provoke one another to love and good works. So again, we are not a consumer church. I'm not on, online gonna say, come this Sunday because you'll be blessed. Come this Sunday because there's a word for you. Let's not do that. We come Sunday because we want to honor him and we love one another. And we want to provoke one another to love and good works. So let's come together and worship the king. You know, sometimes I even thought, and I've been guilty of this, that I'm really tired. So you would think in the natural, what makes sense if you're really tired is to take a break from you know, whether it's church or whatever. So I'm gonna rest. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna sit on the couch and rest and veg. And then at the end of the day, you know, you're, it, you didn't really get a lot of rest scrolling. But the Bible tells us, I love this in Psalms 91, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. If you really want to find rest, if you're tired, we come to Jesus. If you think, you know, from your eight hours sleep, you're going to get two more, or you're gonna, all that, it'll bring you some rest. But the rest that we really need only comes through being in the shelter of the Most High. Psalms uh, 34, eight says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. And my last little point before we go to the sermon topic topic, Le Leonard Ravenhill says, if we displease God, does it matter whom we please? But if we please God, does it matter whom we displease? I'll say that again. Leonard Ravenhill. If we displease, I mean, if we displease God, does it matter who we please? And if we please God, does it matter whom we displease? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to, to Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Luke chapter 10, verse 25, it's this, the Good Samaritan story. And it reads like this. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to the test to test Jesus, and he said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Lord, what must I do to be saved? 
In verse 26, what is written in the law, he replied, and how do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. So the question number one is, how does one get saved? And the answer to that is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, and your soul, and your might. So immediately, the answer is provided to the question. This verse is in reference to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, in Leviticus 19. And I, every time we do a, a, a parent dedication or a baby dedication, we read this scripture. Every good Jewish child knows this scripture. They know the scripture to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. So if we study the Good Samaritan story, you, we cannot skip to just loving your neighbor. You have to, we have to talk about the first portion, to love the Lord your God with all your mind, love, strength, and soul. So what does the heart represent? To love God with your heart. You've probably heard a message similar to this. But let me challenge you this morning. The heart represents the emotions that drive your action. Show me your actions and I can point to your heart. How many of you know that I love soccer? Anybody know that? If, um, if you want to find me on Tuesdays and Thursdays between 5.15 and 7.15, you can find me. You can't call me. You can find me. I'll be at the Meadows Soccer Complex almost without fail. Almost to the detriment of my family. Sometimes we'll have family dinners at Tuesday or on Thursday and... I kindly tell them I won't be there because I'm at the Meadow Soccer Complex. Love is the emotion that drives your actions. The emotion that drives your action. So when I see one person doing something, I know that they, that's what they love. In Matthew 6, 21, it says, for where your treasure is, the things that you value, there your heart will be also. So what does it mean to, to love God with your heart? Show me your action. In the West, it's, we, we're a little off sometimes because we think that, uh, and I do believe in faith alone, in grace alone, but it, it's expressed through action. Does that make sense? How do we know we've been saved by faith and grace? How do we know that? How do we know what's happened inside? Because it'll be expressed on the outside. The second word is soul. 
What does soul represent? The life source that jolts you into action. That life source that will make you step up and go. So for example, let's just say you're a parent and you're sitting in the kitchen scrolling while your kids are out back playing on a brand new trampoline. Let's just randomly just kind of say a trampoline. And your kids are outside playing on the trampoline and two or three people have already told you, you got a trampoline? I can't believe you did that. Uh, the only reason I know people do that because they did it to me. Even my insurance people. And then all of a sudden, you hear a thump and then a cry. What does a good parent do? They jolt up out of their seat and they run outside to see what in the world is going on. Your soul represents that life source, source that jolts you into action. Jolts you into action. So when you hear your kid falling off the trampoline and you're in the kitchen, you run. Just the other night, right before small groups on Wednesday night, uh, Eric's son fell off a bunk bed. And what happened? He wasn't on the Zoom. He's Texas. My son fell off the bunk bed. I'm going to be late. He jolted into action. His soul was involved in loving his son. What does strength mean? Strength means the totality of one's resources, both mental, physical, which also includes influence, connections, and status. The totality of one's resources, both mental, physical, which includes influence, connection, and status. What does it mean to be saved? Well, we've all been raised, just raise your hand and say, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, and then you're in. And that's really a good Western way of doing it, but, and so, so many people, but here it says, what must I do to get saved? It's through faith in Christ. We know that. It's believe in Jesus in our hearts. It's releasing, uh, we're repenting from our old sins and saying, I, I denounce my old life. I will, through the Holy Spirit, disconnect my life from the old life source of selfishness. But then I will connect myself to my new king. I'm leaving the old king and I'm now going to submit to the new king, Jesus. And I submit to him. And I will follow him. And I will be his disciple. And I will do the things he asks me to do. How does one get saved? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. To love the Lord with everything you have, your emotions, what jolts you into action, everything that you own, your influence and your connections. Every good Christian should know this. 
So my prayer this morning as we wrap it up, part A, as we'll go on to the next part, who is our neighbor, how to be good, how to be good neighbors. We cannot do that if we don't have a, a firm foundation to love God, to love God, to love God first, to love him with everything. If, if God's not Lord of all, then he's really not Lord at all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We just thank you, Lord. Thank you for our awesome church, Mosaic Church. Thank you for awesome people that love you. Lord, that will bolt into action like we asked last week for help with a medical need in our church. People bolted into action, and Lord, I'd say thank you for that. Lord, help us as a church to love you with every fiber of our being. Lord, we say thank you. Lord, we love you with our heart. We love you with our soul, and we love you with our strength. Lord, we say thank you. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Speak to us, Lord. Lord, we don't want to just live in this box of naturalism. Lord, we want to live this supernatural life that you called us to live. Lord, help us to love you with all our heart, our soul, and our strength. Start now, Father. Because, Lord, you have a task for us is to begin to loving our neighbors. We can't do that correctly with great right motives. Lord, if we don't love you first. We can do good things with wrong motives. Lord, we want to do great things with right motives to honor and bring you the greatest glory. We say thank you, Father, and we love you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You say, Pastor Mark, just I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in a second. There's some areas in my life where I, I need to continue to submit to Jesus. Just raise your hand. Yes, amen. Hands all over the place. I'm raising my hand. I'm raising my hand. Jesus, you can put your hand down. And one little request. You're going to say, Pastor Mario, by raising my hand, I'm, I'm going to make... I'm gonna make a dedication that I'm not gonna let my faith in God or my family's faith in God fall apart because of lethargy and the love of pajamas. Just raise your hand, amen. Yes, Lord, we, we refuse to do that. Lord, we're gonna love you with all that we have. Say thank you. If you're at home watching, I promise you I'm not thinking about this message because you're at home. I'm thinking about when everything settles, when people are given all clear and people are feeling healthy again because I know a lot of our families, they don't want to be the reason someone gets sick. And Lord, I understand that. But if you're at home let me just challenge you to give Jesus your all. 
Give Jesus your all. And you can do that at home. I believe so. God's called you. Lord, we want to be obedient to your call. We want to be, not just have wisdom, but discernment. We want to be led by the Spirit. Start with me, Lord. We say thank you. We love you, Father, and thank you for blessing us with your presence. And I pray that we left it all on the court today of giving you our best. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.